Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today, we are studying Micah chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verse 1 through 5. And just in just as an overview, um, so far in Micah, the I guess you could divide it into three sections so far. The first section in Micah, um, Micah was announcing God's judgment on Israel. It was... Um, he said it was like a wound, like a wound that was never going to heal. And it was the sin that Israel was living in. He said it was, um, the wound was incurable. And uh, it was, it was uh, this northern kingdom, especially that's who he's addressing. But just the sin, the crime, the corruption, the violence, all these things um, that this society, this generation... Uh, had kind of culminated on. And then the second section was hope. It was like, uh, you know, there is going to be a remnant of people that will have faith, and I'll use that remnant of people, and I will use their faith, and I will use it to glorify my kingdom because, you know, a reference to Jesus Christ. Being born in Bethlehem, you know, he's very specific hope. And then he even looks forward past that. And when one day I will bring my Savior again, Jesus Christ, into the world to reunify the nation, restore, completely restore the nation and uh, bring peace on earth. So. The first part, you know, again, a very, very somber uh, message. The second part, a very, very hopeful message. Now, the interesting, uh, as we begin this chapter 6 and chapter 7, it looks like we're coming into a third part. And this third part, my, as McGee uh, says, and my study Bible is alluding to a little bit, and we'll see how this reads, but it's sort of saying it's giving now uh, the opportunity almost in a, like a court hearing, a court case uh, for Israel to respond. Um, almost like in this court case, 
uh, before the heavens and the earth. God is calling out to all the heavens and the earth to listen. And um, let's start reading verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. It's like trying a, a case. And Israel is guilty. This generation is guilty. And our generation, same thing, is guilty. And um, the solution, interestingly enough, has been given. The solution Jesus Christ has already been given. And the, the, the final outcome of this case is punishment of sin, but also overcoming sin. Isn't it interesting how God already has the plan and God is telling you that I've already planned it all out regardless of what your response is. Your response is not going to affect the outcome of the judgment, but God is wants to hear from His people. Interesting how this is set up. That these people already deserve the death penalty from the first section, but will ultimately get eternal life. Verse 2, Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and we he will contend with Israel. There's an indictment. Judgment has been cast, and the nation is guilty. Just like we are guilty of our sins, our generation is guilty of sin. Verse 3, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I... Have I ha- how have I wearied you? You know, he's saying, please tell me, what have I done except love you steadfastly? Answer me. He wants the answer. He wants them to plead their case. Verse 4, 4, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. You know, Israel was, you know, metaphorically in slavery. They were enslaved in the land of Egypt. But they were also enslaved in sin. The house of slavery, physical slavery, and also enslaved in sin. And the generation may have been brought out of slavery but they still lived in slavery. Isn't it interesting that so many references in our um, world today, people can be brought out of slavery, but still live in slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron and Miriam. Moses was who God chose to lead this nation out of Egypt. Aaron was, I believe, his brother. 
And Miriam was his sister. And uh, God uses these people. And again, Miriam, his sister, was a leader, just like Moses was. This is what McGee points out. Just like Moses was a leader, Aaron was a leader, and Miriam, too, was a leader. So another example of a strong woman leader from the Old Testament. But he brought these leaders because he loved the people. And he redeemed the people from the house of slavery and brought them from the land of Egypt. Verse 5, oh, my people. God's emotional here. Remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him and what happened from um, Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. If you remember back in Numbers um, Chapter 22 is the story of Balaam and uh, Balak. Basically, uh, in a nutshell, uh, back in, in Numbers, um, the, the um, this story has been recounted uh, and referred to, and uh, Peter talked about it. Uh, it's talked about here in the book of um, uh, Micah. Um, Nehemiah talked about it. Uh, Joshua talked about it. Um, Revelation talked about it. Jude talked about it. Again, we said Second Peter talked about it. Um, a lot of different references to um, this story, uh, the story of Balaam. One of the strange but true stories in the Bible. Um, when the nation of Israel had come out of uh, Egypt, they had you know suffered in the wilderness, in the desert, and they crossed the Jordan River coming into the promised land. You've got, uh, or getting ready to, you've got uh, this multitude camped in Moab, which is not quite crossing the river yet. Uh, the Moabites and the Medanites were um, already getting oracles through this prophet Balaam, but the word, the name Balaam means foreigner. He was more or less a foreigner in this land anyway. But he was prophesying. The Lord was using him. Uh, and then this king here, Balak, um, he wanted to put a curse on all these people because he didn't want all these people in his land. And so basically um, he takes the money from the king and he kind of goes out, but he doesn't really curse the people, because he gives them what God's word is, so he's kind of saying, "I'm only giving you know the word of God." Uh, so he kind of comes back to the king, and you know, of course, the king wants him to, you know, curse the people. But he, you know, um, Balaam is sort of saying, you know, he's taking the righteous position. He's saying, you know, I'm only going to do what God tells me to do. But um, so the king pays him again to go curse, and and uh, he, you know, he doesn't really curse him. He gives him God's word. And then he, he goes back three different times, and then the king pays him three different times, and he goes back, and it's like almost like he's collecting money to to from the king, but um, he's kind of manipulating uh, a little bit the king and manipulating God a little bit. 
Uh, at the same time, he's kind of being like a middleman. And uh, long story short, um, he wasn't really able to demonstrate God's power. Um, and um, so uh, God was judging. He, God was beginning to judge Balaam here. And he was patient with Balaam. He keeps asking Balaam to do the same thing over and over again. But Balaam really doesn't do exactly what God's wanting him to do. He's not really doing what the king wants him to do. He's sort of stuck in the middle. And, of course, he's profiting from it. Uh, So um, he basically is traveling on this road. And and God's wrath finally uh, has enough. And... uh, there's this angel standing in the middle of the road. The donkey, his donkey, he's riding on its, riding. Uh, he's riding on sees it. Uh, of course, Balaam is blind to God's uh, angel here in the road, and of course, the donkey tries to warn Balaam three different times. You know, he he goes off the road, and Balaam's mad, and he beats the donkey, he hits the donkey, and then the donkey, he he tries to. Uh, 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 um, several times to 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 um, avoid this uh, angel in the middle of the road, and you know Balaam continues to hit the donkey, and then the donkey just lies down, and you know Balaam continues to hit the donkey, and of course then God allows the donkey to speak to Balaam, and the donkey's saying, "Why are you hitting me these three times? I'm trying to save you, you know," and uh, it's it's kind of a reference. Uh, my study Bible says it's almost like a reference to to Jesus, you know, laying down his life for the people, um, to a people that really don't see God's wrath, um, and it's almost like the donkey is saying, "Why are you doing this to me? You know, have you know, I you have ridden me uh, all these years, you know, and it's almost like God saying in verse three, "What have I done to you? You know, I've carried you." All these years, it's almost like God was using this really um, sort of amazing tale or amazing story uh, to really vividly again portray um, what uh, the donkey went through, and and um, it's almost like so the people could understand what God felt like, and so this so again uh, in Micah, Micah, Micah recounts the story about what happened with Balaam. And so these things that happened, he's saying it were, happened so that we could know the righteous acts of God, so that we could see God's righteousness in play. And so again, um, this reference to Jesus being born in Bethlehem just in the previous chapter, now we get a reference again to Balaam and his donkey and the donkey is speaking like, why are you hitting me? Why are you striking me these times? I'm here to protect you. And uh, so, again, in chapter 6, the indictment is in, the verdict is in. God says there is hope, but he's now saying, what have I done to you? Just like the donkey with Balaam, what have I done to you? And so this is where we'll stop here. Uh, A very fascinating... um, and just amazing um, example of God's love for us. Um, again, teaching us about His righteousness, His plan, His kingdom, and of course, His Savior Son, Jesus Christ. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, take it away. 
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Micah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 5. So we have come to the last section of our division of this book of Micah, and it's a call from God. It's a call to his people to actually hear what he has to say. So every time there's a call, um, this is, you know, something that's, you know, the Lord wants something that's important that has to be heard and um it's a division um in um the study so here in verse six sorry here in chapter six verse one it reads hear now what the lord says so hear now what the lord says so dr mcgee has divided the last two remaining chapters that's this very chapter we're in chapter six and chapter seven because each one of them is like a major division each one of them has a call from god to his people so chapter six um has been labeled by dr jv mcgee as who is a god like unto the pleading present repentance cause of past redemption and chapter seven is labeled who is a god like unto the and pardoning all iniquity because of who God is and what he does. So, scripture reads at verse 1, we have the call, Hear now what the Lord says. So, this is a call not only to the northern kingdom, but a call to the entire world to hear. Um, and it goes on to read, Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. So, he registers his complaint, um against israel which is the beginning um, of the third and final message of in the book of micah to the nations of the world and to israel in particular so god has you know a contention with the nation israel and we can actually make um, this applicable to us so here it says arise plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. So here, it's a calling to nature as an expression that is in other books in scripture. But uh, this is a call to the mountains and the hills. So the application here is that a mountain represents a great kingdom and a hill a lesser kingdom. So this here is not only a call to nature but to the nations of the world and this message is applicable to all the nations of the world so verse 2 of scripture goes on to read hear all you mountains the lord's complaint so the nations of the world are to actually hear the lord's complaint or the lord's controversy so it's a controversy with his people israel so um verse 2 goes on to read and use strong foundations of the earth so here the strong foundations of the earth that is the great people and the great nations of the world that have been in existence for thousands of years but have been far from god they have been far removed from god so god is now giving them a message and um uh, verse 2 goes on to read for the lord has a complaint so this is the content the controversy against his people and he will contend with israel so, um, you know, God is now um, calling his people into court as he has a complaint against them. Verse 4 goes on to read, For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So now, 
here you know instead of actually lodging a charge you know when you take someone to court you actually lodge a charge against them so here god is not lodging a charge immediately against um, his people he actually now asks them what he's ever done to them what he's actually guilty of so god is asking what he has done to them why they turned against him and god is going to tell them what he's done to them what he's done for them what um, had he done to them and um, this is what he's going to do and this is what he's doing here um, for I have brought you up from the land of Egypt I redeemed you from the house of bondage and I sent you before and I sent before you Aaron Moses Aaron and Miriam so God says he had actually redeemed them and they were you know he had redeemed them from the from the bondage of slavery um, and he redeemed them from that he didn't uh, do them any wrong or harm he actually just all he ever did was just love them so he gave them um, the leadership to actually lead them out of the land um, out of Egypt and that was Moses Aaron and Miriam so you know these people their complaints um, you know must have been that you know they were weary and tired of worshiping God and you know going through the same rituals over and over again and God went back and recites their history and he tells them um, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. All I did was love you and I, I didn't leave you there. I redeemed you from the house of bondage because they were in you know, bondage and slavery. And you know, he gave them leadership as well. So uh, now here at verse 5, God is actually pleading with his heart for his people. So verse 5 reads, O my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab um, counseled and what Balaam the son of uh, Beor answered him from acacia grove to gilgal that you may know the righteousness of the lord so now here god is now pleading um for his you know with his heart for these people so um now here um in verse five at verse five we have an incident given to us here which goes back in uh into time into the time that they were ready to actually pass through the land and they had to go all the way around Edom because Edom um, would not let them through and God had led them around um, and then they actually came to Moab and the king of Moab was um, Balak and he wanted to actually curse them because he didn't like them he wanted to curse the children of Israel and he actually hired um, you know like a prophet yeah a, f a prophet who was just interested in money you know um who loved money and yet he was a prophet of god and um god did actually speak to him but god finally judged um balaam so balaam was called in to curse the children of israel <clears throat> and scripture says that he answered him from chidim uh, that's the last camping spot before they actually entered moab after um balaam began his ministry against them and on to Gilgal so Gilgal was the first place they actually come camped when they got into the promised land so Balaam could not curse Israel um, because God wouldn't let him you know those were God's children so God wouldn't let him so he did something very damaging when he saw that he could not curse them 
um, and the last word he gave was um, when Balak took him to one mountain and looked down at the camp of Israel Balaam said how shall I curse whom God has not cursed so you cannot curse God's people God's children so God was on the side of the children of Israel he was protecting them um, he was defending them so down in the camp you know all was not perfect in the camp for the um, children of Israel so God was dealing with them because they were his children he was directly dealing with them uh, but the enemy outside was going to actually find fault with them so the children of Israel didn't know that um, you know and that's the uh, you know the, the wonderful thing the amazing thing is the children of Israel actually didn't know that God was protecting them all this while was protecting them from their enemy who was actually trying to curse them you know they had these enemies but they were complaining and god is telling now god is telling them you know what have i done i've 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 always just protected you and defended you and you know we today we should realize we have an advocate with the father uh that's jesus christ the righteous and god deals with us personally so you know questions we always ask ourselves questions you know why do good people suffer um you know god deals with us personally directly because we're his children if you're a child of god god will deal with you directly um you know sometimes as a christian you get to ask yourself you know if your life is smooth sailing you've got no troubles and all you get to ask yourself you get to ask um question you know um if you are really a child of god so um jesus christ uh, the righteous he deals with that as personally and jesus christ the righteous um is our advocate he defends us and he protects us if you're a child of God, God is on your side. This is why, you know, I agree with Dr. Javon McGee when he said, you know, a child of God cannot be demon-possessed. Yes, you will be tormented and tr troubled by the devil down here with his wiles and all, but to be possessed by demons, nah, that's just not possible. So Balaam couldn't curse them. So Balak had actually taken him to four different mountains, but he gave um, now Balaam gave some horrible advice uh, that since he couldn't curse or fight them, he should just join them. You know, as the saying goes, you know, if you can't um, fight them, join them. So technically saying, you know, if like, say, for example, you want to fight the government and your government is corrupt and, you know, does uh, evil things and all and you can't fight it, you also just become like them. So basically, that's the advice Balaam gave to Balak. So go down and intermarry um, and intermarry them. And that's what happened. And this introduced idolatry among the people. And that was um, the, um, the occasion for the brazen serpent because of the bad advice of false prophets. That was Balaam, who was claiming to be God's prophet. That was the bad advice he had actually given to the people. So today, for me... Um, you know, my main pick out from this is let's just be careful, you know, where and who we get um, advice from in life, you know, advice about, you know, your relationships, advice about just so many things in our lives. Let's just be mindful of where that advice is coming from. Um, you know, you, you cannot, you know, keep going to each and every person, even some people who don't make sense and who don't mean well. Um, and they give you advice in life. They'll give you wrong advice and just guide you in a horrible direction. So God is righteous and 
it's wonderful to actually have him on our side because he will always defend and he will always protect his own and God deals with his own children doesn't mean if you're going through you know troubles and tribulations in life like God is not dealing God is not on your side or God is not protecting you there are reasons why um, children of God go through certain circumstances and issues in their lives so that you know we can um, actually refocus and focus our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ so God if God is on your side you are well protected and you are well defended just like God always protected his children, the children of Israel during their wilderness march as we are reading here in the book of Micah. So yeah, this is our teaching today. Sorry, our lesson today. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all. Have a pleasant Thursday. Bye-bye.